Welcome to the Diverse Minds Podcast, where we give you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to be a mentally healthy and inclusive leader. Each week, you'll hear about a variety of topics linked to mental health, well-being, and diversity that will enhance both your professional practice and personal well-being. Welcome to the 104th episode of the award-winning Diverse Minds Podcast. And the theme for this month, as you know, is enabling South Asian women to shine. This week, I've invited a guest, the wonderful Anjum Khan, Director of the Asian Business Chamber of Commerce. The ABCC is part of the Greater Birmingham Chamber of Commerce, formed in 1987. And the Asian Business Chamber of Commerce has a long history in supporting the vast variety of diverse Asian businesses that operate in the West Midlands and beyond. The largest chamber of its kind, the ABCC, acts as a gateway for any organizations looking to target the West Midlands Asian business community. The ABCC are committed to speaking up for members and offering Offering members a diverse offering in terms of business support, networking and event opportunities, as well as member services. And the whole idea is that the Asian Business Chamber of Commerce acts as an advocate for Asian businesses and speaks as an influential voice for the views and opinions of its members aiming to represent their business needs. Overall, it's there for all businesses and their aim is to champion successes and be firm in the face of adversity and supporting through tough times, whatever the business needs. And the ABCC aims to support members in order for them to continue to develop, connect and grow. And I'm so delighted to have Anjum with us because Anjum is not only a self-confessed caffeine lover, she's also a board member of the Ronald McDonald House Charities with a long and illustrious career in business. She spent years empowering South Asian women to shine and she smashed other stereotypes types of what South Asian women should do, how they should do it and what they should be doing. So Anjum Khan, a huge welcome to the show. Thank you, Leila. Thank you for the invitation. It's my pleasure. Oh, it's so brilliant to have you. And I've just read out your bio, but I just wondered if there's anything else you wanted to tell the listeners about yourself and your journey to becoming the director for the Asian Business Chamber of Commerce. Sure. So I have been part of the Asian Business Chamber of Commerce, which is part of the Greater Birmingham Chamber of Commerce now for just over five and a half years. But I feel like I've been part of this journey for a long time with the Chamber of Commerce because I was uh, self-employed for 16 years. 13 years of that, I ran a training company, which was set up by myself about supporting women in the South Asian community and to upskill themselves. So um, I ran that company for 13 years and then after that, three years of consultancy. But during that period, I was a member of the Greater Birmingham Chamber of Commerce. So it's always been part of my career journey as such. And I did some consultancy work for them. And then before I knew it, I became an employee after being self-employed for 16 years. And here I am. Mm, It's quite a transition, isn't it? Being your own boss and then working in an organisation. So how did you find that transition? Yeah, I don't think I could do Um, it. (laughs) No, uh, it was was really weird because um, I was spending a lot of time um, being contracted to the Chamber of Commerce. But the beauty was I I, I set my own times and my days of working and you know, the difference was when I got talked into becoming an employee, which I don't regret doing. It's been a, a great transition, um, really. I was so nervous on my first day in as an employee and I was mm. thinking, oh, my God, you know, it's all changed. Now I'm an employee. But what I can say is that it, they, they actually let me get on just the way I was as a consultant, really. So so that was great. They knew what I was doing and I just got on with it. The upside of being an employee was I actually got annual leave and it was paid for annual leave. So that was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a silver lining, isn't there? <laughs> 
absolutely. Um, and what about people who say, you know, why is there a separate Asian Business Chamber of Commerce? You know, there's such great, greater bit Birmingham Chamber of Commerce. Why do we need an ABCC? Yeah, I do get that asked um, quite regular, um, to be honest with you. And, you know, the um, ABCC has been now going for nearly 33 years. And the reason for why it was set up was due to the riots in Lausanne back in the 1980s and where the South Asian businesses got affected and they felt that they had no platform, no voice, no support. And hence why the it was the call, we were called the Institute of Asian Businesses, the IAB was set up. Um, by the DIT um, and housed at the um, Chamber House in Edgbaston. And as time went along, you know, the needs of businesses changed and we evolved um, with that as well. If someone was to ask me today, and I do get asked that, do we need separate Chamber of Commerce for different communities? And my answer is no, because I believe that we've got to be working towards being more inclusive. But our membership, um, our growth of the ABCC is going strength to strength, um, and especially during this uh, pandemic that we're still living in. So there still is a need for us, and we will carry on as long as the business community um, needs us. And I mean, for me, I, I think it's absolutely pivotal because I think it's about, it's very inclusive. When I've come to events, they've been very inclusive. You know, the awards ceremony, uh, I was really fortunate enough to win it. And then I was a judge last year. But to, to say to everyone, this is, you know, it's got an Asian focus, but it's not simply for South Asian or Asian communities. It's open to everyone. And I think that space is really important. And also the fact that the members, I know during the pandemic, Anjum, you had translated materials into seven different South Asian languages. And I think that work is so, so important. And so for me, that's absolutely why we need organisations like the ABCC and community specific spaces. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, you know, just over 20% of our members are non-Asian who want to tap into the Asian market. It's great to be able to be supporting businesses who are keen to be working towards being more inclusive on how to as well. And ABCC is there, is there to help businesses like that as well. Um, and during this pandemic, one thing for sure, um, and even the government agrees with this, you know, the affected communities, especially were the ethnic minorities, you know, there's a huge, huge around language barriers. Um, and we, we've tried to do as much as we can do to, to support that as well. Yeah. And I think the other thing about language is it's not that people don't speak English, right? It's the way in which messages are conveyed and the fact that people need choice in how they access information. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I mean, we're quite lucky. We have a policy team here at the Greater Birmingham Chamber of Commerce and the amount of times mm. that I've picked up the phone or when we were office based, I'd go over and say, could you explain it to me like a three-year-old mm. um, in the language that I will understand? So, yes, agreed. It's not just because people may not speak uh, or English isn't their first language. It's how do you understand the messages? Um, because at times, let's be honest, they were contradicting as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so given what we've just, we've had a slice, we've had a slice of what you do in your journey, but what do you think has been your biggest leadership lessons, Andrew? As an individual, I think um, when, when, when I came into business, I had an idea. I didn't know anything about really running a business or anything, or I didn't stop to think about do I have the leadership skills um, to to manage staff um, and what am I going to do? And I think I was, I, I was you know, uh, the lessons I've learned that I have been too critical of myself. You know, no leader in whatever position, you won't know it all. It's okay to get things wrong. But, you know, you make sure when making a decision, it is 
you know, my decision or your decision, because if things do go wrong, you've made that ultimate decision. You can live with it. So being too critical is one of them. Um, and another one of mine is you've got to take care of people. You know, um, at the end of the day, it's our aim to achieve, you know, our targets um, or our objectives. But we can forget this and just concentrate on the goal. Um, and putting people or mm-hmm. your team or your colleagues ahead of yourself is important because in leadership, you are the pivotal point, but the focus needs to be less on you and more on your team. Mm, and to me, Anjum, that to me really speaks a lot to my slice of South Asian culture as well. Um, and for me, that's a very cultural style of leadership in terms of our collective culture. I agreed. Uh, I think that, you know, um, being from the South Asian or the Pakistani community, we've always been, uh, I was brought up to believe that, you know, you have to take care of everyone around you, with you as well. Um, And sometimes, you know, it it can go both ways because you can end up forgetting yourself within that. But you've got to know what your limitations are. Yeah, and that's my that links beautifully to my next question, which is, you know, what do you think? What have the, been the biggest challenges for you as a South Asian woman? And also, there's a lot of rhetoric within the community and certainly outside of it around ambitious South Asian women. And it's, there's a sense of get back in your box. And my podcast episode last week was all about beware the tone police. But what you know, what do you? <laughs> so, what would you say have been your biggest challenges? And what advice would you give to fellow South Asian women? Well, um, uh, so I set up in business in my 20s. I'm not going to give my age away, but um, I've got years of experience of it. I think the <laughs> biggest, biggest challenge was <laughs> being accepted. And, and, you know, being from the community that I am, being accepted was the number one key priority. Um, and I ended up losing myself within that. And it wasn't due to my religion as such. It was about the cultural rules mm-hmm. and values that can shape the dynamics of stigma and I was aware of that um I, I'm one of you know um eight siblings um and you know what's the eight yes eight, eight we're eight sisters <laughs> I forgot what I was then um, eight <laughs> sisters and one brother but you know to me it was I had to be careful because what I had been taught was that you know respect um you, you know your elders the cultural rules women unfortunately you know it, it, it was well known and still is I suppose that we can be seen as secondary to men mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, um, I had to be very careful that I didn't allow this to rule my life or my career path because um, we can't please them all. Um, you know, and there have been times where I've, um, I have been told, so unfortunately I've experienced many times where I needed to go back into my box or I'm not doing the right thing being from the, mm-hmm. you know, being Pakistani Muslim woman. Um, and to me, I would look at people who would say that to me thinking, seriously, is, is this the world we're living in? Because I wasn't really taught that, that I was different mm-hmm. to being a male. Um, in my career, in my, in my journey, um, I've taken a, a different stance altogether uh, which was that um, you know treat me for my skills um, and, and um, not because I am a you know female Asian female so being accepted is 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 one of the biggest challenges um, and as women we are more self-aware um, and we are more you know we have more empathy as well um, and we accept things that we don't want to or have to you know, uh, like being treated equally or trusting our voice. And so we, we need to go um, a lot more easy on ourselves because if we don't trust ourselves, if we don't, I don't want to say the word demand, but, you know, mm. set a, set a, you know, it's a setting stone, isn't it, to say that you're not going to allow anyone to treat you any different because of who you are. 
um, it's it's not okay not to be included, and you can call this out in a professional manner as well. So you shouldn't allow, you know, your gender or your religion or anything like that come in the way of uh, being um, included. And one thing I learned, and I learned this early in my career, I'm not a man. And, and mm. you know, I don't need to try and act like one either. Um, you know, we don't need to be like men. There's a misconception that women have to emulate men, um, mm. and, and that's not true. You know, mm. you are who you are, and you've got to accept that before anybody else will accept that. So, you know, as I say, I don't know whether it's, I would say it's probably just as a woman thing, and maybe men do go through this, but one of the things that I struggled with a couple of times um, was the imposter syndrome. Mm, okay. Um, and, you know, and I suppose when you're faced with systemic gender biases and inequality, um, we ha- often have difficulty forming an accurate self-assessment of ourselves, our situation, and that can interfere with our ability to stand confidently in our accomplishments. So um, it's okay to, you know, check yourself every now and then and look at, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? But we do end up questioning, should I be in this position or should I, can I do this job or how have I got this far? You know, the fluke it. We, we, we as women, we as Asian women, we question ourselves a lot, lot more. Mm. And I also talk about something called frustration syndrome, where sometimes we can see ourselves in a role and we think, why the hell can't I get there? I'm doing everything. I am overqualified. Um, And there just seem to be these row of hurdles and barriers. Yeah. And that exists, doesn't it? Without a shadow of a doubt. Mm. Um, That definitely exists and we do face it. But I think I I have seen a lot, lot, lot more women now stepping up and questioning this and we should so it's not to to um, make it more difficult on ourselves but sometimes the other side haven't actually realized they're doing that mm-hmm. um you know there's some simple steps but you can still get your message across you can you should be allowed you should question things because otherwise it, it just you know uh, you end up you know churning that in your brain over and over again um and sometimes the only way to kind of um, get an answer is to ask the the question directly. Mm. Yeah, we've also talked about being shelved, haven't we? Like this concept of you've got to have the 2.4 or 8.4 or 5.4 family um, and be married by a certain age. And I think that's in all cultures, to be honest. But there is something specific, I think, sometimes with the expectations of other people. And there is a podcast called, you know, you know, what will people say? And there is always that, isn't there, in the background as well sometimes. I just wondered what you think about that. Yeah, I um I am um you know I'm not married. Um, I have no children. Um, I'm one of the siblings who who's not married. Um, but it was a time in my life where I thought, oh my God, I'm not going to. No one's going to marry me if I do this or if I do that within my career. And when I said that, when I'm when, when I'm talking about within my career, it's being the face of your business or or being good at what you do and you are seen and you're heard and you're in places where it's predominantly male orientated it gets difficult um and i knew that this was going to be an issue from an early age because when i was meeting prospects Mm. um the question was that i was too confident i wanted my voice to be heard and it wasn't normal in my community it wasn't normal Mm. um um to 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 be doing that um 
And but I wasn't taught anything different. And this is where I kind of yeah. struggled with this um, as well. Was I wasn't taught anything different. I wasn't taught I was different to mm. a male. I was told to look at my skill set and go according to what I want to do, what I love, I would love to do. And that's what I did. But I kind of sometimes have questioned: Did I lose myself because um, I wasn't? Mm. I'm not the norm um, within mm-hmm. my community. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't get married at the age that I should. Forget being shelved. I got thrown in the skip and mm-hmm. waiting for the skip men to take me, I guess. But um, I, I keep coming back for more and more. Um, but I, I'm a firm believer everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also that doesn't mean, you know, I, I think there's there's a concept in society globally that if you're married, you're happy and it's the greatest day of your life. And I'm not a subscriber to that. And I, you know, also like you, I'm child free and I'm so happy to be child free because I, I, I can't speak for you, Anjum, but I am not parent material. Um, you know, not all of us can be parents and not all of us want to be parents. And that certainly isn't me. And so, yeah, I'm a bit of an outlier too, or people just know not to say anything to me now, or instead of yeah. saying, you know, you know, all my cousins will say oh yeah she's very argumentative and I know what they mean I'm not a dolly bird that's going to sit on your arm you know yeah that's not me and and I don't give a damn what you think (laughs) no I I don't disagree I mean I I feel um, I'm still a big kid myself Um, uh, so I don't know Uh, I have nephews and niece and you know um, in my younger heydays I still wanted kids and who says that I I won't now but I I do believe in um, if someone's going to judge me for my accomplishments, then that's not the right person for me. Yeah. Um, And within the community, unfortunately, you have that. You you know, you're past the sell by date or you're not married, but within your 20s and stuff, it's absolutely wrong. You must be doing something wrong. There must Mm -hmm. be something wrong with you. Like you have just mentioned, you know, um, if you've got a voice or if you've got an opinion and then you're not marriage material but hey ho as the way I look at it who are they to judge me Mm, yeah absolutely absolutely and so you know given some of the things we've talked about um, outside of the culture as well what do you think workplaces can do to support Asian women and global majority women to genuinely shine and not just the tokenistic women's networks and things that often happens what would be your advice to employers and people that you work with yeah, I always say you've got to get to know and understand the people that work with you, work for you, understand their lived experiences, because if you don't, unfortunately, that unconscious bias comes into it. Um, you know, there's more awareness and conversation is a good thing, but don't let the noise mask it, I say. I lack a real action and progress because we can sometimes walk the talk and make the commitment to inclusion. Um, and we see plenty of companies spend time planning on um, how will they hire more diverse uh, workers, but they don't have a clear plan to develop and keep them. Mm-hmm. So I believe in creating an inclusive environment, culture. Culture is the, the main thing in workplaces. They've got to allow, you know, everyone, you know, if they want people to apply and to stay within the workforce, I believe um, you've got to continue working on um more than just policies or hiring practices, it's got to be an ongoing, uh, ongoing about environment where everyone brings their whole self to work each day and feels valued and heard, um, and that we are able to make an impact while progressing within our career as well. So culture is is, is one of the major things. 
Yeah, and it's that point, isn't it, around um, we want to hire more diversely. What does that actually mean? I think people can use the word diversity as a bit of a sticking plaster and it, it me, it's quite vague. So, uh, you know, your yeah. points around how, what is it that you want to achieve and why and how is it going to benefit your customers, your clients, your business? There's, you know, there's always lots of sides to it. There's the moral case, there's the make sense, the common sense case, there's the business case. And I, I feel that often that's lacking. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I totally agree. I mean, because I'm a firm believer that the, you know, a powerful thing that an organization can do is create a culture of conscious inclusion. Forget, you know, I'm going to park on conscious bias, mm-hmm. but you've got to be conscious about the inclusion part. You've got to build a desire um, and insight and, uh, you know, um, allow people to make decisions and lead on. I think that companies need to, if they're looking at being more diverse and inclusive, they've got to buy in the service. Because automatically, straight away, uh, when you start looking at these things, you will not the expert to be able to do that. And that's okay. But there are people out there who can help and, mm. and work with you in doing that. And I think a lot of companies are not investing in that resources. And that that's where um, it becomes um, an issue as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and so Anjum, you know, as a really busy person with a demanding job, how do you look after <laughs> your own mental health? And what are your top three tips? <laughs> Well, I'm going to be honest, uh, Leila, I didn't, and I really felt this at the peak of the pandemic. I hadn't really thought about uh, mm. me. I, I really stopped to think about being, you know, how all things were impacting my life. I've always been the kind of person, um, I have a survival mode, um, and I live in my own bubble, but that changed. So I've tried a few things, and the ones that work for me is, number one, I have to be, pro- and I have prioritised this, is take a time out for just me. That was the hardest thing to do, mm. was just take that hour on a daily basis uh, for me. Um, you know, you, you've got to think about your emotional well-being, if that means through talking to friends, our family or outside that or if you want to run you should you should get that you should talk and be physically active which I've never been good at um but I have um re- <laughs> yeah I found myself I think for six weeks I actually didn't leave the house not even for a walk and and, and when it was a colleague of mine said have you left the house have you thought about just going for a walk um and I thought no I hadn't but um I started doing a lot more walking and how recently mm-hmm signed up to a personal trainer um, and well that's done. for once again to take time out for me um, and, and we should feel good about yourself you know um, you are your priority without you as an individual each and every one of us if we don't take good um, care of ourselves if we don't think good of ourselves then we can't be good for anybody else either no that's it isn't it it's that classic if you, you can't yeah. drink from an empty cup Banjum <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. So if people want to know more about ABC's work, your work, how should they get in touch with you, contact you? Um, we'll include yeah. the links in the show notes. But yeah, I'm sure people will be love love to hear this. Yes, yeah, so please do. Um, I am on LinkedIn under Anjum Khan. I'm on Twitter at underscore Anj underscore Khan. Or people can email me on a.khan at birmingham-chamber.com. 
Brilliant. And please, if you, you know, if you're a business and you think about joining, you want to know more, do check it out. I found it's so beneficial. The webinars, the information, you don't have to be from the West Midlands or the Birmingham area. Um, it really is open to everyone. Um, so I just want to say thank you so much, Andrew. That was a brilliant conversation this month. The uh, theme of the podcast is helping South Asian women to shine. And I think you've done a beautiful job of that and illustrated that, <laughs> yes, the journey might be bumpy, but you can absolutely achieve and find that pathway to do things in your own way. Absolutely. No, thank you so much, Leila, for inviting me. And yes, that would be my advice to anyone. Don't you become the reason for not doing something that you want to. Thank you so much, Anjum. And thank you to listeners. Please do share this episode um, if you think someone would enjoy it and benefit from it. And a huge thank you again to Anjum Khan. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Diverse Minds podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcasts from. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Tune into next week's episode of the podcast, where I'll bring you more insights on mental health and inclusion. Bye for now.